block episode. I think this is going to be 80. And it's appropriate to do this topic for the writer's block because we literally started the writer's block, me and Ryland Grant, so we wouldn't go crazy during COVID. So uh, that's what some people Award-winning podcast. Award-winning podcast. Yes, we won a telly oh, last year, awesome. and we also won um, Spacing on the Other Award. It was really prestigious, guys. It was like an Oscar. Guys, I have so many awards I can't <laughs> Oscar for podcasting. My big complaint about this venue is this, this is on a slant, and that's not good for my drink. Uh, always, yeah, there's a pro tip. Always have a drink when you're with now. Uh, so hello and welcome. Uh, I am joined today by Barbara Dillon, Bobby Timoney, and Chris Longo. Robert, tell the kids at home a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. So I'm the co-founder and editor-in-chief of Fanbase Press. We're an award-winning publishing company of comics and other books, uh, as well as, as of this year, Einstein-nominated uh, media company for the culture information as well. Excellent. And Bobby? Uh, my name is Bobby Timoney. I'm an illustrator from New Jersey, although now I live here in California. Jersey. Yeah, I just had a, my, my most recent graphic novel came out a couple months ago. It's called The League of Super Pets, the great thing and stuff. And uh, it's about the, the super pets. As, <laughs> as, seen, as seen in the current uh, major motion picture. Yeah, it's a sequel to the movie. Nice. No, rather, the movie is a prequel to my book. <laughs> there you go. Think of the, the movie, you know, they made that movie entirely <laughs> to set up your comic book. Yeah. I think that's I like that, but I get that question all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Is the movie based on your book? Did you create this? Yes. My father used to do novelizations, and uh, he would show people like a foreign edition, like the Japanese edition of The Man from Uncle Number One, and people would say, you speak Japanese? <laughs> yes. Yes, I retyped <laughs> the entire novel in Japanese myself. Uh, and Chris Longo, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Chris Longo. I'm the associate publisher and chief sales officer of Heavy Metal Magazine. I also own a marketing agency called Modern Fanatic, which helps brands connect with fans. Nice. Ooh. Nice. And the, our topic today is, and oh, I'm David Avaloni. I write comic books in Daydream. Hey. <laughs> uh, I write TV now, I guess I, I can start saying that. I was told, I signed an NDA about Bat Wheels and I'm not supposed to talk about it. And I sent the producer of the show the picture of me standing under the banner of a block and a half long in San Diego. And said, I'm still not, this doesn't exist yet. I'm not supposed to talk about it. Okay. Uh, it's me or the bus ad. Um, so, uh, and I host this podcast and one of the jokes I've been doing for the last two years, I host two podcasts, this one and something called Pulp Today where I read from pulp novels. Uh, and uh, talk about them a little bit. And uh, my joke is that if you had gone to me in uh, January of 2020 and said, in the next year you will host two podcasts, I would have said, does the world come to an end? Why, why would that ever be a thing I would, uh, okay, I guess that's a thing I do when the world comes to an end. So uh, one of the things that early on started out that uh, helped keep me sane and help us connect with other people in the comic industry that we're falling apart with. Barbara started a Saturday morning call uh, through Fanbase Press, which is actually how I met Bobby, if I remember correctly. I attend occasionally. Um, Bobby attends occasionally. <laughs> uh, which was, is a Zoom call of comic creators and uh, was meant to sort of 
make up for us not going to cons anymore and seeing our friends in bars and uh, bathhouses and wherever. And uh, so uh, I, I try to not do it blue, but you know, there are five people in the audience. I should have said that there are thousands of people in the audience. You're listening on iTunes, you don't know. I'm in a massive amphitheater surrounded by cheering crowds and a lion. <laughs> Uh, but I wanted to, we, we, we've been interested in how the, uh, the pandemic, you know, obviously affected the entire world, but it also affected our industry very much, and how we all live and survive and do business, and I thought it would be interesting to talk about that, and to talk about how we have adapted, and you know, there was a, there was a temptation to call this the post-pandemic, let's mid, mid to late, let's hope late pandemic uh, discussion. So uh, let's start with Chris. Sure. How did it immediately affect you, and how did it affect you over the last two and a half years? Immediately, well, um, I went like March twenty twenty. Yeah. So I I remember this sequence of events. I remember getting on a plane from Chicago from C two E two, which mm -hmm. was happening like you know five days before everything went to hell in a handbasket. And I remember a lot of uncertainty on the plane, even talking to other people, going like, should we be on the plane? Should we be talking to each other, sitting next to, you know, nobody knew what, what to do. We weren't masking or anything yet. Uh, but I do remember coming back and having this feeling like, you know, come Monday, things are going to be weird. And they were. So I guess a couple days later, everything sort of officially shut down and, you know, you were stuck in your house and all of that. So in about a week's time, I went from having a business with a lot of projects and working uh, almost full-time on this show, Long Beach Comic Con, to having nothing going on. So I had about 30 days of just spiraling, you know, sitting at home, <laughs> eating too many snacks, oh, watching television. Yeah. Well, I, think, I, can't, I can't sit still very long, sure. but 30 days, uh, you know, I was bored out of my skull and I started putting the feelers out into the world. I had just in February signed uh, a consultancy agreement with Heavy Metal Magazine for a couple of hours a week. And the idea there was I was just gonna help them build some sales infrastructure for a few months. I was helping out a friend of mine who was working on the magazine. And about a month into that, uh, or two months into that, I was starting to feel guilty because there was nothing to sell. You know, everything came to a halt. So I, I talked to the CEO and I said, look, you're a good guy. Why don't we just suspend our proposal and things pick back up? You know, we'll, we'll revisit this and we'll, we'll make it happen. He's like, no, I want to hold on to you. You know, how about I'll just call you if I need you to do something? And I said, okay, fair enough. So a week later, I got a phone call. No, I knew it was going to come. So about a week later, I got a call from the CEO and he said, hey, uh, I have something that I need your help with. Do you know how to do press releases? Sure, I know how to do press releases. So I became the publicist for Heavy Metal for a couple of weeks. And then press releases led to a marketing campaign, led to you know talking to diamond distributors. And sure. A couple months later, they offered me, the, you know, I got one of those phone calls and said, hey, this is great, why don't we make you chief sales officer? Okay, cool. So then suddenly I had a job. So uh, it was strange because when I when I onboarded at Heavy Metal, we were talking really big. We were talking about a really robust convention schedule, creating exclusives to sell at cons, and you know working with talent like Dan Fogler, who had four books with us that we were going to go out on the road with, and everything just stopped. So 
we just had to get creative. So we, we found new ways to talk to our fans. Uh, you know, I don't know how far you want me to go down the road here, but I'll go. Uh, <laughs> um, but what, what we did was we, we had a lot of opportunities with talent that we didn't want to pass by us. If you remember, comic shops were kind of shut down for a little while, and people, you know, some of the smarter shops were leaving deliveries. Yeah. So we started a direct-to-consumer online store and a, a line for creator-owned comics that was funneled through that channel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was successful enough uh, on its own terms, but what was really great about it was it just gave us some reason to stay in the fight, you know what I mean? And yeah. keep all this great talent, these great stories that we were working on moving forward. Uh, and then we knew once things got somewhat back to normal, we could start resuming some of those bigger plans that we had. So, uh, you know, one of the things that I love about working at Heavy Metal is a lot of our ideas are born out of being painted into a corner, you know? Because mm -hmm. we're a small publisher, even though we're a legacy brand, and uh, when we're having cash flow issues, or, you know, we're, uh, we want to do too many projects and we don't have the bandwidth to do it, we, we find ourselves getting really creative under those challenging circumstances. Cool. So, you know, that was the, you know, a lot of it was just, I happened to be in the right place at the right time, and thankfully I had signed that agreement, otherwise I'd still be on my couch eating Doritos and, you know, uh, cursing out everybody. <laughs> I mean, you can do both. Exactly. By the way, you know, you complimented my brand new impression with your name. As Bobby will confirm, if you're from New Jersey, uh, the brand new impression is a high school course. Uh, we do, uh, it's true. We, we, we do I'm also in Jersey. As part of, yeah, yeah, New Brunswick. Uh, as part of the New, new Jersey public e education, you definitely have a brand new impression. Well, this is why you've won so many podcast awards. You That's the names of the guys. Really <laughs> uh, so, Bobby, how about you? How was your, how was your March 220 and, and uh, going forward? It's funny. I remember uh, New Year's of 2020 making this joke, like, this is I, your fault. Yeah, well, I was like, yeah, I have a really good feeling about this, you know, it's only decade, 20s, you know, it roared last time, it's gonna roar this time. I mean, we're all gonna get COVID, but it'll be funny. Yeah. <laughs> that was my joke. And, because I think at that point, it was like starting to spread around the world, but nobody knew how bad it was going And then, and then, yeah, but at that point, I had, um, I was still in talks to do the Super Pets, because that took a long, long time to and uh, finally there started to be some movement on it and they were going to take me down to the Warner's animation and let me look at the uh, character designs and the boards that they had and, and start to prepare for this comic book. And I was really looking forward to that because, right, that sounds like a ton of fun. I was going to be the directors, it's going to be great. And then the lockdown happened that week. So they're like, we're going to have to postpone this. And then, like the next week they just canceled it. And I had, they, they set up a Zoom meeting instead. But then, while that was going on, I was also uh, in talks to draw a comic book based on this upcoming video game they were still working on, the MOBA game. So they had a lot of colorful characters, and they had the storyline, they wanted to, they wanted to draw it. And then when the lockdown happened, I just stopped hearing from them. They ghosted me. So I was sending occasional emails for months, being like, hey, is this still happening? And it just that just vanished. And I don't think the game ever got maybe Yeah, to do it, you never heard from them. Yeah. I don't know, they, they maybe did oh, very well. But then they, they changed the rules for unemployment insurance. So if you lost a job and you were a freelancer, you could still get out. Yeah, no, that's, that's, I mean, California yeah. in particular, I thought did a very good job 
keep yeah, us so alive. Yeah, I was able to play some insurance because that was going to be my whole spring and summer leading up to the hopefully it's super, that's when you start super happy. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden I had to play. But I, I got some help from the government, thank you, Uncle Sam. And uh, that really helped. The best part about it was <laughs> before the COVID, I was working from home. So like during the lockdown, that didn't really change my routine at all. But what it did change is that all of a sudden my wife was working from home. And, uh, and that was great because I get lonesome. Sure. <laughs> I don't like being home. That, that's, that's the thing that has really fascinated me as we, as, as society transitions sort of out of COVID. Is you get people writing magazine articles saying, oh, you gotta, people have got to go back to the office, man. They've got to be around people. I'm like, you know freelance artists have existed for all of human history, right? <laughs> so my father was a novelist and my mother was a, a women's rights activist. They both worked out of home offices. They saw each other. You know, uh, my mother would run to the post office and that would be like, oh, you're like, Ooh, can you live in a house? You sure? You want to go to the post office? My father was very attached to my mother, and the look on his face when she'd say, I'm running to America, he'd be like, why? We have everything in the year, what's wrong? Um, which was kind of sweet. But yeah, like when you hear, everyone's writing the op-ed about like, oh, humanity will fall apart if we all work from home. Not so much. No, not actually a thing at all. Uh, yeah, working you know, from home turned out to be a great thing, I think. For me, yeah. anyway, I don't know. And, and you know, like, again, <laughs> for, for most of human history, like before the factory floor, a lot of human beings worked with two other people on a farm uh, and, and did not commute, did not see other human beings, did not do yeah. much else. Like the scariest thing is like, is my wife going to lose her job also? There yeah. was, she worked yeah. at Disney and they started furloughing people. Yeah. So that was scary. She didn't get furloughed. Yeah, my wife was working at that time. This was the most apocalyptic feeling thing. My wife was working on For All Mankind as a customer over on the Sony lot, I think. And like she went into work on a Thursday morning and at 10 a.m. she texted me and said, so uh, Sunny Pictures is sending everybody home and we're not coming back. <laughs> and I was like, excuse me? And she's like, yeah, no, the, the world is shutting down. This is it. This is the moment when it was, a th I always for some reason, like I totally remember it was a Thursday. And in the, in the comic book terms, this was kind of one of those funny ironies. The next convention coming up was uh, Emerald City Comic Con end of March 2022, if you looked at the COVID map of the United States, which had the little red dots where the big outbreaks were, <laughs> the giantest red dot was literally over the convention center in Seattle. <laughs> and I was like, do you guys maybe want to cancel this thing? Or do you want to kill 100,000 comic book fans? Like, what's, what's your plan here? And they played a game, the con, and the, the con and the convention center in the city of Seattle played a game of chicken with each other. I think probably based on what insurance would, like insurance wouldn't cover the convention unless they were thrown out by the hall and the hall couldn't cover it on their insurance unless the city shut down. Like so the city had to shut down for the convention hall to cancel the convention and for the convention to get its money back. Game of chicken. So yeah, and we're all playing chicken. And it was like a week out. I had friends who had like, mailed their comic books to their hotels in Seattle and had to like call hotel managers and say, uh, there's a giant package of comic books behind your desk if you can just, uh, <laughs> you know, like put that out for UPS tomorrow, they're coming back for So anyway, all that said, Barbara, yeah. tell us about your early pandemic. Sure, so honestly, very much like Chris mentioned, my experience was that, uh, so my day job is that I work in biotech and we were at a conference uh, in San Diego and I was very much the spooky wheel as well, being like, 
and I'm really nervous that we're all going to be congregating. And literally the next day was when uh, the WHO said, everyone, we're, just, we're done. And so we left the conference that day. It was all done, drove home. Um, and very thankfully, I was always a remote worker with my day job. Um, my husband and I run Canada's Press. Um, and we're very fortunate to be able to run our own company because we were able to shift and pivot as needed. The sad thing was, 2020 was our 10th anniversary of the company. We had more cons than ever planned for that year. We had anniversary events planned for that year. None of them happened, but it's okay. Um, but we kind of did, and like David mentioned, you know, I think it was maybe that weekend of the first week we launched the, the Comics and Coffee, as we called it, which yeah. was, and it's just free. It's a free Saturday Zoom call that we do. Everyone from within every aspect of the Comics community is welcome. And we've done that ever since. Yeah, at the end of that first, I think I feel like I was the one, at the end of the first call, like, you were like, should we do this again sometime? <laughs> once a month, every two months? And I was like, we need it next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to and we're still doing it. Yeah. Uh, so the need, that happens a lot with emergencies. And I think that this is a thing that happens to COVID, sort of like Trump, was a stress test for the world. Mm -hmm. And it kind of showed all the broken things. Oh, like, oh, that was a norm. That should have been a law. Like, that was only not a law because no one ever didn't do it. Because who would not do that? What kind of crazy, crooked asshole would, oh, well, apparently that person exists and they weren't present, so now we need a law that prevents people from doing that. And it was the same thing with COVID. It's like, oh, that. That never really worked that well, but we kind of got away with it. It's like, no, we need to actually, you know, and that's why people haven't been going back to work, because they went, well, no, actually, why was I there every day? What was I doing? Uh, I've always said that there's a, you know, there's that, that, that bad temptation of break humanity into two pieces, but I think that the real, the real change is people who preferred high school and people who preferred college. Mm. The people who want you to work in a, an office preferred high school. Their idea of humanity is, we gotta watch them like a freaking hawk, 40 hours a week and make goddamn sure you don't burn school down and you do, you're gonna do your job down work and blah, 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 blah. And people who preferred homework are like, or preferred college are like, hey man, like here's the assignment. Uh, it's due in three weeks. Good luck with that, man. Like, do, do, do what you can. Go to the library. <laughs> Do whatever you need to do, but we're not gonna like. Are you ready? Are you ready? <laughs> I'm looking at you. I don't see. I don't see any writing. So um, you know, and obviously, people who work freelance are the people who hated high school. I think that's the thing. You know, like, well, I don't. I don't want to sit in the same place all day and do the same thing. And I. It sounds like I'm implying a moral. Whatever you want to do is fine. If you want a hundred people in an office that you can hang out with in the break room, God bless you. That's you know. That's fantastic, it works great. Uh, and there is, I mean, I've mocked it, but yeah, it's nice to see people. I mean, for comic book creators, that's why we, we do conventions to see other human beings. Because you could be like the top selling writer in this industry and not ever meet someone who likes your work. <laughs> like, until you actually sit at a table and they go, oh, man, you're the best. I am, that's nice. I'm glad someone thinks that, because, uh, you know, not hearing it from my landlord. Um, so, uh, all that said, you know, uh, Dynamite, I was writing for them, and we were about to launch a new series. I read the Elvira comics with them, Elvira and Harlan, or no, this was a Elvira meets Vincent Price. 
And I had written two issues, and I was in the middle of writing the third, and they said, oh, we're gonna need you to put your pencil down for a minute until we figure out what's going on. And what they did for the pandemic, which I thought was relatively smart, was uh, we ended up doing three Kickstarters over a period of a year and a half. And it wasn't, you know, I mean, Kickstarters for a publisher can be free money, essentially. We were going to do this anyway. If you guys want to pay for it, that'd be great. Um, but uh, it allowed us to reach an audience that was sitting at home and wanted a comic book mailed to them or sent to them as a PDF, uh, rather because they couldn't go to the store. And, uh, but again, in that stress test model, they then went, this is actually a pretty good business model. Actually, we don't, I mean, sure, we'll still print things and send them to comic book shops, but maybe we'll keep uh, doing this, this Kickstarter thing in such a raw deal. And the, I don't know that they would have done it. You know what I mean? I don't know that they would have done crowdsourced things if they hadn't gone, oh, well, we literally, the company is dead if we don't do this online thing, if we don't do it that way. So that's sort of the next thing I wanted to transition into. Uh, you guys covered it a little bit, but like, what solutions did you come up with to deal with the isolation and to deal with the cutting off of the work? Uh, Barbara, do you want to? Yeah, uh, it, well, in addition to the comics and coffee, which was really just intended more as a way, an outlet, and mm -hmm. a safe space for people to come together and network or commiserate and, and troubleshoot things like this. Um, we also, we just tried new things. And like Chris said, you know, when you're, when you're backed into a corner, you have to try something. Um, and one of the things that we did for, I would say, about a year and a half through the pandemic was uh, monthly, we would do sort of our own master class. And we would bring experienced creators who were at the top of their field. And, and it didn't have to just be comics, it could be TV animation, general TV writing. But we would have this online Zoom-led master class where you could buy a very, I think it's like $10, for a ticket and you would have an hour with this creative and it would be very much like a one-on-one. -on -one. You could ask very direct questions and have their sole focus for that hour. And we did it monthly and it was a, a great success. You know, it's something that we didn't continue just because of the, the time intensive nature of it and what was required. But but during that time, especially at the height of the pandemic, it was something that we tried that worked. Um, and that if needed, we could always revisit again. But but again, like I said, you, you just, you have to try things. You don't have to. And Bobby, you were waiting for, you were taking the government money as we did. And you were waiting for Super Pets to come back. Yeah, there, there was a time like when it was brand new, before I was getting unemployment insurance, and, and before we knew what my wife's job would be like in an airport, it was really scary. And, uh, you know, my, I had some, some anxiety issues with that. And I built, I built the giant uh, pillow fort in my studio, all the blankets. And, and I put a bunch of stuffed animals and pillows in there. And just kind of hid in there for a while. And you know, that helped. Hiding in a cave helps. Whatever works. And you know, and I love being willing to, you know what's, you know what's going to work? Uh, yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, because I couldn't go outside anymore. And it's like, I was feeling cooped up, so I needed to change my environment. And I, and I thought the foot four would be a, like, a fun way to do that. <laughs> just they like, changed my, my perspective of what I'm looking at every day a little. No bean bag chair. What? No bean bag chair. I don't own a bean bag chair. I have a bean bag <laughs> stuffed lion. Nice. It's like really fat around. <laughs> so you could conceivably sit on it if you want. I totally could. Yeah. yeah. Did Supervets come back like after the vaccine? Like what, when um, did they decide to go back live with that? 
Well, Super Pets uh, was a couple months later, like in the summer, I guess, is when I finally started getting script pages that I could work on. The script took a, a little bit longer to, to materialize than I would like to believe. But uh, after after I got my script pages in and I, I finally started to work on the book, that was it, just having something to focus on every day was, was great too. Oh, absolutely. And then, you know, I didn't really trust it because, man, the deadline was tight. So oh, I had to, uh, yeah, I had to draw a lot. Because then they kept kicking the release of the movie down. Well, yeah, they needed everything by December 7th so they could release the book in May. They needed extra release time because of the movie for some reason. I don't know what the logistics were. But uh, but yeah, then they, they bumped the movie to, to July, so I could have had all that time anyway. So, like Originally, I was going to deliver at the end of February, and then they wanted it in December. So that's why I also had to work really fast. Yeah. And then I, am I, am I spilling too much tea? Am I allowed to talk? Yeah, you <laughs> So, yeah, so for a while there, I did it. Like when they took cut my deadline in half, <laughs> my editor's like, listen, I know that you're going to take a hit financially for this, but we're going to have to get you in here. And so I did the math and I realized how much work it would be for me to do the book. So I emailed them back and I'm like, listen, I don't think you know who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> So you inked it as well? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I will co-say Bobby Kennedy is an amazing artist. We have worked together yeah. on a project before, and he is a stellar, stellar artist. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris, what kind of uh, solutions did you guys come up with during the, during the pandemic? Well, you know, one of the exercises was just try and get to know our customer base a mm -hmm. little bit better, because we were in this place where we had we had a lot of legacy fans who have been reading heavy metal, you know, as it transitioned from uh, different ownerships over the years. Um, one of the things we really wanted to do was start making inroads with, with younger readers. So we were sourcing very specifically fresh talent, you know, people who were younger, people who had, uh, you know, sort of a baked-in audience to a certain extent. So we, we created a book called Sun Here with Dylan Sprouse, the actor who, you know, is also a fantastic writer. Uh, and projects like that start bringing in much newer, fresher eyes who don't have any relationship to the heavy metal brand. Um, so it put this bug in us that like we really need to make some time to have direct connection with our fans. And without cons available, it's really hard to do. So you know, here we are today. We've got a thriving Discord community of about four thousand plus people. And I use them as a focus group every mm -hmm. single day. So when we started that Discord, uh, my point of view on it was, our community guy will be in there and I'll just sort of funnel things to him and I'll never pop in there. Like, I, that's not for me. I'm probably the more than anybody now. Right. It's, and, and it's really helpful um, and it's really valuable to just be able to go in there and say like, hey guys, if we had enamel pins of our characters, would you want to buy them? And we get, and not only do we get the answer, we yeah. get, well, these are the characters that we want. This is the artist that should create them. And yeah, if, you give them a, if you give them a chance, the audience will in fact tell you exactly what they're right. Yeah, <laughs> they're not always right. They're not uh, always right, but I, I, I will tell you, heavy metal fans are intense. Yeah. They are, uh, they, you know, even even the ones who haven't been reading for 20, 30 years really feel a personal connection. And yeah, well, <laughs> gray hairs, yes. Yeah. Um, but uh, the, even the people who haven't been reading that long are so attached to it, and they've sort of imprinted what it should be. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, that um, yeah, it's, it's a really specific brand. It's one of yeah. the most 
specific brands out there. In its yeah, and it's really strange because we have we have a legacy audience that's you know probably folks our age, David, and then yeah. you know we have this younger audience, and there's a little bit of a divide between them. Mm -hmm. So the younger audience really liked it when we did things in digital, and you know when we worked with this new talent. And the older audience, you know, they just kind of want us to stay in yeah. the the heavy metal lane. Yeah. So we try and find yeah, a way. But digital, to I can't put that under my mattress. My mom might find it. Uh, I wanted to ask um, about a very specific question about the Discord. When you interact on there, do you interact as Chris Longo? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm know you are. Yeah. I think that's smart. I think that's one of the... Sometimes I think it's smart. There are upsides and downsides to... I will say this, almost 98% of the folks who are in there are just really lovely, salt-of-the-earth people. They're really invested in what we're doing. And they're happy to help, which I really appreciate. Mm -hmm. You know, some people are coming in there with some really strong opinions, and there's a little, occasionally a little toxicity in there, but we take care of that. Quickly. Quickly. You know, it's online. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I was just curious about that, because I, I, my own personal take on that has always been that the more personal and personal it is, like if you were in there and you were just called heavy metal, no. That would not have the same effect. Like, they want to see a face. They want to know you're a human being. They want to have some kind of, you know, a feeling that it's a direct interaction of one kind or another. Yeah. I think it's really helpful. Yeah, it does help. And I, you know, where we, it's funny, you actually do wind up building a little community in there. Yeah. Like, where, when accidents happen and people don't get their magazines and stuff like that, they'll DM me and they'll tell me, like, hey, my issue 317 didn't show up. And I'll just grab one from my office and go to the post office and mail it. Yeah, so that's great. You know. It's probably a level of service that you wouldn't otherwise be able to offer your yeah. your customers if you didn't have that connectivity. Yeah, but that, I, I think that's you know one of the best things about the internet is that it does allow you that kind of like I write the Elvira comics and I go on Instagram and when I have a new comic out I do I look up hashtag Elvira hashtag Elvira Mistress of the Dark and I see who's post, posting the cover and I. If they say something nice, I say, hey, thanks for reading, whatever. And uh, some of them, their minds are just so completely blown. Like, listen, you don't know how not glamorous it is to be a comic book writer, so I don't want to disabuse you of your illusions of how rich and famous I am. But uh, to give back even the tiniest bit of like humanity and human contact, uh, it's, it's an invaluable thing. And, and you know, when you send someone that magazine, you have made a fan for life. It's just that thing. It's like, you know, it's when politicians have rallies, you know, they do it because when you shake someone's hand and look them in the eye, they feel differently about you than they did if you were a guy standing on stage completely remote from them. I shook hands with Gary Hart in the 80s and he, he didn't look me in the eye, he looked the next guy in the eye and I went, that's not nice, Gary. That's yeah. not good. Look <laughs> uh, how it worked out. It didn't work out well for either of us, actually. <laughs> Uh, which is a whole other story. A dude uh, <laughs> <laughs> It was a dude romance. He didn't invite me on a yacht. He hasn't he, won any podcast awards. He like has not. That is, that is an excellent point. Uh, so to bring it around more to the present day, how are you, I want to ask everyone, uh, and I'll start with you, Chris, how are you finding coming back to the world, to conventions and public events? It's nice, you know, it's, it's, it's gratifying to come back and realize that this community, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I, I, for like a hot minute, I was like, are conventions done? Like, you know, are we ever going to be able to go back yeah. in any way? 
And the first one I went back to was New York Comic Con last year. Yeah, and that was that's the Javits Center, which is a public health menace every week. Oh, like since the day it was constructed, that place has been a public health disaster. I think there's like one bathroom per thirty thousand people in that building. Yeah, it's the worst. I think the building is actually held together by hematitis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, some legionnaires. Yeah, some legionnaires. That's the coffee. But that, it almost felt like it, it was such a strange contrast because that particular event almost felt like we were at the New York Comic Con Museum. Like there was sort of a convention going on. Right. The attendance wasn't quite what it was. You know, there wasn't as much sizzle and after hours activity going on. Yeah. Um, so that we left that a little bit bewildered. But you know, now that we're here, um, you know, I, uh, San Diego was a great experience again this year. Uh, Emerald City was terrific. I've done that show twice now uh, since the pandemic, or you know, pandemic, pandemic eased a little bit. Let's yeah. call it that. Um, and I, I feel like you know maybe we're we're adapting and we're being a little bit more uh, in general. We're being a little bit more cautious and we're being a little bit more respectful of other people. Uh, and hopefully we just keep going in that direction. But it, yeah. you know, it is it's very gratifying to be at this show in particular to see heavy metal doing really well and to see happy people coming to our booth. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing that I keep pointing out, and this literally happened. My wife on the way home from San Diego said, "So I got I'm sure I caught COVID, and we masked for pretty much the entire show, and we tested for five days, and she did not get COVID." I said, "No, you just got the thing we've been getting at conventions for the past thirty years." That's right. <laughs> like you should like. Even if there was no COVID, maybe we should have been wearing masks at San Diego the whole time in a room with a hundred thousand people and not great ventilation. So I've been I, I've been masking on and off. I mean, in a room with eight people sitting a fair distance from one another, I'm not overly concerned. But I also I haven't noticed, and this is kind of a nice thing compared to the outside world. No one at a con has ever said to me, "Hey man, why are you wearing a mask? Why are you got a face diaper on?" Yeah. Okay. When people say the face diaper thing, I'm like, "You realize you're saying that shit is what comes out of your mouth." <laughs> like, I don't need a diaper for my face because that's not how my biology works. But good for you. So. So Bobby, how have you been coming back uh, to cons for you? Uh, it's been pretty amazing. You know how we were talking about earlier how. Uh, there's some people we only see at cons. Totally. They're, yeah, so it's been two something years since I've done a show. And uh, during that time, I did my Super Pets book. And it's a big deal for me. It's my first like mainstream comic book. So to be able to show up at the cons after a couple of years and, be, and seeing people be like, Bobby, what have you been up to? And you'd be like, well, <laughs> I have <laughs> this DC comic graphic novel I just finished and it's out now. I mean, that was really gratifying. Like, I've seen some friends, and I wasn't quiet about it a lot. Like, I was totally bragging all over the place on Sure. But still, people, you know, for whatever reason, they, they don't follow you, or the, the Facebook doesn't show them your messages. They, they don't know. So then when I see them, and I tell them, there's always that big reaction. They're like, <laughs> that, And that's been really great. Uh, you know, having some, some new material to come back with is, is yeah. really helpful. I feel like if I didn't have that book and I came back with nothing, maybe. Hey, what are you doing on with COVID? And they're like, uh, uh, nothing. <laughs> just, you know, being scared all the time. Yeah. No, I'm glad I didn't have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, and for some, for some people, I think it was motivating. Some, you know, I, I don't, I don't judge anyone rolling in a 
fall in crime for two years either. That was certainly a rational reaction. I mean, I'm having a fair share of that too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. No, and I, and I, and I think, you know, we talked about this a little bit at the other panels this weekend, but I, you know, I'm a big fan of being honest with people about the hard stuff, about how hard it is to make a living, about how hard it is to survive in this industry, about how hard it was to survive in this industry the last two and a half years, particularly. So, you know, I think it's, I, I think, you know, as a society, the more we do that, the more psychologically healthy we are. If we all were still walking around saying, no man, that was cool the whole two years, what's wrong? What's wrong with you? Yeah. You were scared, I wasn't scared if the global pandemic had killed five million people, what's wrong with you? Okay, uh, so, you know, I'm all, I'm all for being as honest as we can be about that. And, you know, to some degree, like starting to podcast, it was, motivating because literally, I mean, for me, it was like, well, I could be in my bathroom for two years, but if I have a podcast, I will shave occasionally. <laughs> like a video podcast, I will actually comb my hair now and again and not look like uh, a bear holding a coffee cup, uh, which, is, which is a look. Like I'm not, you know, again, no judgment on any bears holding coffee cups, an important part of our community. Uh, but uh, Barbara, how about you for coming back to Cons? Yeah, it's been really lovely, honestly. Uh, we uh, dipped our toe back in this year, but uh, very exciting. I think most excitedly was seeing Comic Con, sure. being there again, and being, there's something so wonderful as comic book creators in being able to connect with audiences and being able to, especially folks that have read a previous work and have, are returning to the table to share their experience. That's enough. I mean, that's kind of why I'm just super excited. That's why I do this, because if we can reach other people through storytelling, it's such a remarkable thing and a remarkable gift that we're all given. So being able to see that and experience that in other, something other than Zoom, it's really wonderful. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, I echo that it's it's still a very scary thing uh, for us in that we, at the end of 2020, we welcome twins to the world. So we. I'm still very much wearing a mask because they're just now being able to get a vaccine, so we, we still have that concern. But yeah, I think it's going to be something that we all adapt to, depending on your, your comfort level. And um, you know, it's uh, I'm excited that cons have returned. I think it was an interesting time before the pandemic hit because we've all had had conversations of there was a convention boom, there were so many, um, and you know they were all there was sort of a, a glut of of comic conventions. So. Um, whether negatively and because of the pandemic, some of them have unfortunately gone away. Um, I think that the ones that still remain, we all kind of champion and be yeah. because we want to see, just as with other creators and publishers, we want to see the convention success as well because it is such a wonderful opportunity for us to not only continue our industry, but to just celebrate our craft with the convention with all of you and as fellow creators. So, yeah. I hope that we continue to, you know, see you all in, in February you know, with the next Long Beach show, um, yeah. or whatever, you know, shows that are local to you and you support. Yeah, and that's, that's one of the reasons I, I ended up hosting three panels at this convention, and it was partially because, like, I saw Martha hadn't posted a programming schedule, and I was like, oh, I, that's hard, <laughs> and I guess she has no help <laughs> doing this, and I was like, oh, I got three ideas, and she's like, great. <laughs> Do I mean Chris did three or four yeah, panels, right? right? Yeah, I think between you and me, like a quarter of the panels. Yeah, so. tired of us. yeah but but you know you 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 want to you want to chip in, uh, especially when something is you know coming something that you like 
is coming back and we all are trying to be supportive and go to our local comic book store again, pick up our weekly reads and all that kind of thing. Uh, you know, David, one interesting thing that I was just thinking about when Barbara was talking was that I didn't realize it until you, you said what you said, that I'm legitimately happy to be back at cons. Oh, yeah. By the you know, beginning of 2020, it was something I had to do. Like, mm -hmm. I was getting yeah. burnt out. Mm -hmm. So it's really great to kind of feel refreshed and, and not take for granted true. these communities that we have. And, and uh, it's just a nice feeling. So if any silver lining. Yeah. No, no, that's that, tend, that tends to be when something is taken away with you, from you. With a certain degree of violence yeah. uh, and pain, and you weren't, you didn't volunteer to have it taken away from you. Um, it certainly enhances your your appreciation of it. And like you know, like Bobby, I think said earlier, it's like I was looking at 2020. And this is going to be my. I'm going to go to every con this year. I'm going to get invited to the guest. I'm going to really push the PR angle. Yeah, great feeling. I was like, and, and let me uh, let me cancel my flight to the Emerald City now because it's literally the hot zone. It's literally outbreak monkeys up there. So let's not do that. Um, but anyway, are we? We're almost at time. I, is there a question from anyone? Just wanted to make sure, since we're an intimate little uh, group here. Okay. Yeah, a group of thousands. Yes, a group. Oh, yes, a large. One. We're in an arena uh, with thousands and a lion. Intimate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we have Clark and Spider-Man Buzz Lightyear. That's yeah. That's, 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 that's a pretty well shaped And I see a Jedi. And Superman's here. I'm sorry, Clark. Clark. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another question. Um, how far advanced should I book for the Long Beach Comic Expo in February? Oh, that's a wonderful. That's a good question. I don't know when they. In terms of being an attendee or visitor. Um, just yeah, just coming like I'm doing now. Yeah. As an attendee. Well, as an attendee. Yeah. 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 Usually, yeah. tickets go on sale a couple months before the show, so yeah. it's coming around the holidays. Yeah, you guys. There's a, a, a website too. There's there's Long Beach Comic Con and then there's Long Beach Comic Expo, which is the one in February. But they do both use the same website. I think. They're different. Oh, they're different websites. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Always check the Facebook page for, yeah. for the show. Yeah, that's, an, that's another thing. But yeah, it is, it, the, someone needs to make a tracker, but it would be too big now because there's literally a con. You know, I have a friend who lives in upstate New York, and I never have any chance to, and she's way upstate New York, and I never have any chance to, to visit her. She lives in like Buffalo. And I checked, and there was a Buffalo Comic Con, and she's like, oh, I'm out of town that weekend. And she's like, how wild that there's Buffalo. I was like, wherever you live, I could have found a Comic-Con within a few miles of you that I could yeah. try and get myself booked in as a guest or, you know, I get a table or whatever. I was like, wherever you move, I will find a Comic-Con near you so that I can come visit you someday. Um, but, that's, but that's great because geeks are not, uh, you know, people enjoy this stuff are not located in two or three locations in America. They're everywhere. Uh, you know, your small town has plenty of people who read comic books and plenty of people who watch movies and all that kind of thing. But uh, I like to wrap by by saying, where can we find you, Barbara? Where can people listening and watching find you on the internet? If you are here at the convention, we're on the convention floor at table C4. We have all of our comics and graphic novels available. Um, if you are watching virtually or listening virtually, fanbasepress.com. We're also on all of the social medias. Um, all of our books are also uh, online or online store as well as on Hoopla and Comics Plus. Nice. And Bobby? Uh, I'm at Bobby Timoney at Twitter and Instagram. I have a website I never update. 
Comics.com. And I have a Facebook page called Art of Bobby Timmy. And I'm going to try to be better about updating all of those for you. It's a, good, it's a good resolution. And, uh, <laughs> and Chris, aside from heavymetal.com. Heavymetal.com, obviously. Uh, you can, if you want to join our Discord community, it's heavymetal.discord.com. Um, if you want to come say hi to us and see what we've got going on at the show, we're literally right down, uh, when you come into the doors on the convention floor, it's Top Cal, Aspen, and then us. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at K-R-I-S-L-O-N-G-O. My name starts with K for Maximum Confusion. And K with this K is funny. Yes, very funny. K is funny. I laugh all day long. Yeah. That's a, it's one of the rules of comedy. Also spelled with a K. Uh, I'm David Avalone. I uh, grew up with a name that was easily made fun of on the playground. But the joke's on them because in the age of Google, the first 10 pages of David Avalone are actually me. So, you know, take that, Tom Callahan. Who can find you on the internet? Uh, my, my, But, uh, you know, the character of Nelson Muntz on, on The Simpsons made me very sad for Tom Callahan. I thought, yeah, no, he didn't have a great. Anyway, all jokes aside, davidavalonefreelance.com is where that branches off to all the things. This podcast is the writer's block, which I usually co-host with the, the excellent Ryland Grant. Um, and uh, my other podcast, Pulp Today, is me reading from crumbling paperbacks and talking about why they're awesome and we should all own crumbling paperbacks. But that's it. Thank you so much for joining us, and thanks for listening. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to smash that like button. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or other fine purveyors of ear crack, please leave us a five-star review. And wherever you're watching and or listening, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We'll see you back here next week for more madcap hijinks on The Writer's Block. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.